Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the show. I hope you guys are having a beautiful day wherever you are tuning in from. I am tuning in from my living room on a Saturday night and I'm so excited to be recording this podcast episode. I was just chatting with a client about how before doing this nervous system healing on myself, I used to need every weekend filled with plans needing to see friends, needing to see family, just constantly needing plans and being busy. And I did not want to have any empty space on the calendar. And this was my anxious attachment running the show where I struggled to just be with myself without all of the busyness and distractions. And now my favorite thing in the world is a weekend with no plans. I actually rarely make plans now. On the weekends, I intentionally leave them very open. And now I get all the space in the world to wake up on a Saturday and just decide what I want to do that day, whether it's seeing a friend like I did this morning or having a night like tonight where I'm just connecting to my passion and my purpose and my vision. And There's nothing more amazing than that. I took a nice long nap, ordered in some food, had some dinner, and now getting to do some creation, which is such a gift. So I want to talk to you all today about something that has been really present for me and my clients this week, which is all about stepping further into being the leader of your life. So my intention word for the new year in 2023 is leadership. And the universe has really been giving me so many different opportunities to embody this word and to fully step into my leadership. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. When we have an active, in my case, anxious attachment wound or whatever attachment style you are, you know, healing. When that is running the show, when our inner child is running the show, it's really hard to be the leader of our lives because when our inner child is running the show, we often feel like victim to our lives. So we feel like life is happening to us rather than for us. And I never fully understood what that saying meant until I started doing this work where I realized, oh, everything that happens, even the painful, especially the painful, the challenging, the adversities, whatever we come across in life, it is all for us. Not in the sense of, oh, it's going to make us happy every moment of every day, because that's not what life's about. Life is about actually growing and blossoming into our fullest, highest self. And we are all on a healing journey, whether we are conscious of it or not. Obviously, and when we're conscious of it, we get to participate more in it and actually become an active co-creator and designer lives. So becoming conscious to all the ways in which my attachment wound and my dysregulated nervous system was running the show allowed me to further process and heal that childhood pain and that stored trauma in my body so that I can bring my nervous system, not only back to a state of regulation, but to a state 
of full transformation, full rewiring. I did a post on this yesterday about the difference between regulating and fully rewiring. I used to teach so many of my clients ways to regulate. So cold water, deep breaths, changing your thoughts, uh, calling a friend when you're upset, you know, taking a bath, you know, doing something that feels nourishing for your body, like all these things. And I remember when I was in the traditional therapy world, I used to give all my clients this long list. It was titled 117 coping skills. And I loved giving my clients this because they were able to have so many different go-to tools for when they were feeling dysregulated or triggered or upset. And although these coping skills are so incredibly helpful and, you know, my last job in the therapy world was at a DBT center where I taught DBT skills and I love these skills. I think they're so incredibly helpful. I use them personally. I teach my clients them. If you guys remember when you started following me on Instagram and you were watching my morning tea lives, I used to only teach DBT skills. That was what morning tea live was. It was me teaching a different DBT skill every week. And I loved it. And as I started to come more and more into this healing method that my mentors trained me in, I realized that the skills as beautiful as they are, they're just not enough for a full rewiring of your nervous system. If that's what you're looking for in your healing journey, not everyone's looking for that, right? Like I'm someone that I've always had really, really big dreams. And in order to have big dreams, I need to have a nervous system. That's going to feel safe to achieve those dreams and to actually live them out. And maybe if I didn't have big dreams, you know, it would feel good enough for me to just feel regulated, to feel calm, to feel like I have my coping skills that might've been enough. But when we want a big life and big dreams, sometimes the coping skills are not enough because it's just in a way, putting a bandaid on top of a deeper wound. And as important as those band-aids are, we also want to look underneath the band-aid. Okay, what's actually happening underneath this? Let's get to the root. So that's why I love this nervous system healing so, so much is that it really gets to the root in a way that I was really never able to access before. I mean, I was reflecting with my coach tonight about how I've had about six plus different therapists in my life. And they all helped me in different phases of my life. One was you know, when I was a kid and my parents got divorced, we went to family therapy. They helped me stop wetting the bed because that's how my body responded to the trauma of the divorce. And then I had another therapist during my high school years where he was really helping me in my relationship with my mom. And then in college, I had a therapist who was helping me through a breakup. She had me write down all of these things that I was holding on to in the relationship and then rip it up and put it in a boiling pot of water. And my roommates, I lived in a house with five other girls, my closest friends, and they would come home (laughs) over the stove, (laughs) just like ripping up this paper and boiling it in a big pot of water. And they were like, Rachel, are you okay? Cause I was going through my first ever real heartbreak and they were a little concerned about me. So that was my favorite, most clear, vivid memory of my time with that therapist. And it felt fucking good. So highly recommend that if you were also going through a breakup or really anything that you're feeling angry about. So 
that was her. So let's see, we have my childhood one, the high school one, the college one. And then during grad school, I was seeing someone else who, again, like helping me with um, relationship with my mom. My mom actually came in for a session. For those that don't know, I had a bit of a challenging relationship with my mom. She had extreme anxious attachment, some borderlines, some histrionics, some deep, 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 deep fear of abandonment, which at the time I didn't really know that that's what it was to me. I was just like, what is going on with her behavior? And then because I also had the anxious attachment, we both, it was just a lot of, a lot of stuff happening. So she came in for a session and we did some work around preparing me for my, um, tonsillectomy surgery. So that was the, let's see the fourth one. One, two, three, four. Yeah, that was the fourth one. And then in after grad school, I had one when I was living in the city and I was in my first working job and she was really helping me with my relationships and my work stress. And then I had one, um, when I first moved to San Diego, that was my last time ever being in traditional therapy. I got nine months of free grief counseling after my mom died. And it was so incredibly supportive and went to, um, grief group, all the thing. So With that being said, all of these different therapy experiences served a purpose. They were all really helpful to a certain extent. They helped me learn how to function and regulate, which was a beautiful gift during a time in my life when my work was very dysregulating. My grief was really dysregulating. And so being able to have a safe space to learn how to regulate was really helpful and really powerful. And for that, I will always be grateful for all six plus of them. But I was talking to my coach tonight about how none of them, I really had a deep attachment to the way that I do with her. And the difference is because I talk to my coach every day, So we, we fully are doing life together. It's just a different level of intimacy than me seeing someone once a week. So it's just a different relationship for a different time in my life. And the biggest difference is that with all of those therapists who were teaching me the coping skills and the DBT and the CBT and all of these different skills and tips and tricks, although they were really helpful, my nervous system still had stored trauma in it. And this is one of the greatest disservices that my training as a therapist did in terms of being in the traditional therapy field was that we were not properly trained in trauma. The main trauma training I got was because one of my supervisors during my second year internship, I lucked out big time. I had you know, a lot of my friends did not have great internships in grad school. I had two incredible internships. The first one was at an LGBT center where we would throw the kids gay prom. You know, we would have, um, support groups for transgender teens and their parents. Like I loved, loved, loved that internship. And then the second one was at a college counseling center in Westchester County where I'm from. And I was doing a lot of one-on-one individual work with, um, survivors of sexual assault, as well as, you know, helping college kids navigate the college stress. And I had a beautiful college experience. I loved college so, so much. I went to Clark university in Worcester, Massachusetts. I had four of the best years of my life. And so being able to then work with college kids going through that same 
time and chapter in their life was so, so rewarding. And my supervisor who I absolutely loved, we had such a special relationship and he taught me so much about trauma. He was doing a lot of Bessel van der Kolk's trauma trainings. And so then he would bring them into the staff meetings and our individual supervision, and he would teach me everything he learned. And as I was then learning how to apply this with my clients who had experienced sexual trauma, it was just a beautiful combination of learning and then being able to apply the learning. And if it weren't for him, I really would not have learned a lot about trauma in my grad school experience. I didn't have one class on it at my actual school. And so we're given a great disservice when, you know, the people that we're going to therapy for who are supposed to be helping us with trauma are just doing talk therapy. And that's where it's limited is because trauma is stored in the body. So if we're not allowing our clients to access their body and to feel safe to access their body, we're not actually helping them heal the root. We're helping them learn how to cope with the symptoms. And so what I love about this work is that it not only gives you ways of coping with the symptoms, but we actually heal the root, which then alleviates the symptoms. The amount of clients that have come to me, whether they were, you know, seeing a therapist or on medication or tried all the practices in the world, but they were still stuck. And after doing this work, they were able to, um, you know, get off their meds or, um, sleep better, or, you know, most of them who started with seeing a traditional therapist, and then they did this work, they ended up quitting and breaking up with their therapist, which I felt kind of bad at. I was like, oh crap. Cause I've been that therapist or I'm like, oh, if, if my client kept breaking up with me, that would be hard. But you know, the thing is that this work is so intimate. It gets so deep. And when you're having a container where you can process and talk every day, it's just a different style of work. And so when they start experiencing it, they're like, oh, I'm experiencing this a lot more quickly than I am experiencing with my traditional therapist. And that was my experience too. I felt like, okay, traditional therapy is helpful. I'm doing some deep healing but there's something missing in terms of why, why anytime I get in a relationship, am I still acting like, you know, the crazy girlfriend, like what's happening. And so no one was able to help me get to the root. And let me just say this, I'm sure there are exceptions, right? I'm sure there are exceptions where, you know, even one of my supervisors, she used to do a lot of inner child healing work. And I know that her clients experience deep transformation, but the part about this work that's different and that's really unique and why I love it with my whole, whole heart is that it's not just about healing to heal. It's about healing so that we can expand. It's about healing so that you can create that big dream life if that's what you want. And not everyone wants that and that's okay. But for those of us that do want it, it requires us to step into our leadership. So our leadership means when someone gets triggered by us. Like I used to get triggered by my coach all the fucking time. And so when, I, so now I'm experiencing the same thing where, you know, people are commenting on my reels and they're like getting triggered when I talk about money stuff, because money is fucking triggering. Or, you know, I have friends in the therapy field where they're seeing my content and it, it feels triggering. Like I'm, you know, putting down the, the therapy field and, you know, promoting this work. And it's like, my intention is never to put down the therapy field. I was in it. I lived it. And 
what's authentic to me is to share my truth about my experience with it. The ways that was, it was both helpful and the ways in which it was limiting because it can be very, very limiting. And so when we get triggered or when we are triggering, we have to look at how are we going to relate to that? So when I would get triggered by my coach, I could have said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm quitting. I'm done with you. I don't want to feel this way anymore, (laughs) but I didn't, I leaned in and I said, okay, I'm getting triggered. What is this triggering? What is it bringing up in me that I need to face? And our triggers can be the most beautiful gateways to deep, deep healing and expansion and shifting. Cause if we're aware of what's triggering us, we get to the wound and we heal it and we process it, we release it and we shift it. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Because if not, we just stay victim to our triggers. And then on the flip side, if you're the one doing the triggering, which for me is a really uncomfortable thing because I have this deep, deep wound of invalidation. And this is where, if you guys have been listening to my podcast for a while, you heard my episode on um, having these borderline episodes where my inner child feels so unsafe, like she's going to die. If she get if she feels invalidated, if she feels that people can't meet her needs and it all goes back to fear of abandonment. So because I know what that feeling is, when I know that I've caused someone else to feel invalidated, which then feels invalidating to me, it's like this whole cycle of invalidation where like, if I make someone feel, you know, not understood, not seen, not celebrated, not heard. And because of that, It then makes me feel not seen, not heard, not understood because that's obviously not my intention. And so then I'm like, oh my God, how can I, you know, explain to this person that, you know, that's not what I'm saying or that's not what I meant. And, and so I could so easily slip into that trauma response of like, oh my God, I need to explain myself. I need to feel understood. Being a leader means that you're not always going to be understood. And so I can use this to placate and perpetuate my invalidation wound, my borderline wound, my fear of abandonment wound, or I can use it to actually further heal it and say, I am still safe. Even if I'm feeling misunderstood, I am still safe. If there are people in my life who don't get it or who are mad at me, I am still safe. And this is something that I was working on a lot with one of my clients this week is, you know, when she got triggered by a friend that was not getting her and understanding her. She felt really unsafe. And I said, listen, you get to relate to this differently. You get to show up as a leader in your life. We have two choices. We get small and we make sure everything's okay with the person because our anxious attachment gets activated. We need to make sure everything's okay with them. So we don't lose them or we keep coming home to ourselves and to our leadership and saying, what feels true to me? And how can I show myself that I am safe, even if someone else disagrees with me, even if someone else has a different opinion, there is no greater form of compassion for another human than to be able to fully accept them for where they are and not try and change them and allow space for them to have their own experience. Because when we don't, it has more to do with us than it has to do with them. If I say you need to understand this or experience this or understand me in order for me to feel safe, that's coming from my trauma. And so something I've been working on a lot with my coach in this invalidation wound is that I can still be safe, even if someone doesn't fully 
validate me or understand me because my feelings will always be valid. But in terms of our perceptions, our narratives, you know, like we don't always need to be fully understood. All we need to know is that we can be with what comes up for us. And it doesn't even need to fully make sense to us. It just needs to be how we're relating to it of, oh, this thing is coming up for me and that's okay. It's obviously coming from somewhere. I don't need to fully understand where, but I need to know that I'm safe to just be with it. And so part of relating through leadership is where are you insisting that someone else is agreeing with you or seeing the same things as you because you need that for safety versus allowing them to have their own opinion, their own experience, their own journey while you coming back home to yours and knowing that you can still fully love and accept someone and have a beautiful connection with them and truly honor one another by allowing each other to have your own experiences, even if those experiences are different because they're supposed to be different. We're all on different parts of our healing journey. Nothing's going to look the same. No two people's journeys are going to look the same. And so we have to give space and honor and respect everyone being on their journey. And so my client did a beautiful shift where she was able to really sit with the anxious attachment that was getting activated and saying, okay, this has more to do with my anxious attachment and little me feeling scared of loss, feeling scared of if I'm not understood or seen, what does that mean? And I get it because I have been there. I have felt the same way. And so I understand. And so it was so beautiful that this week there was this like parallel of experience happening where she was feeling invalidated and misunderstood. And I was feeling invalidated and misunderstood. And we, and I was able to role model for her. How do we relate to this from our leadership and our adult selves rather than from our inner child? Our inner child would, you know, okay, I have to respond right away to this or else, you know, the person might be mad at me or I need to get small and, and change the way in which I'm doing things or saying things or relating to things in order to make them feel safer. You know, it's, that would be choosing attachment over authenticity rather than how can I be the leader of my life and my relationships? I was talking to another client this week about how we are always going to be the leaders of our own lives. And so when there's resistance showing up to actually leading in our relationships too, that is coming from a wounded place of your inner child wanting the other person to lead so that you don't have to, because to your inner child, it feels safer for the other person to lead as if they were your parent, your primary attachment during childhood, where they were the leaders. But now as an adult, you showing your body and your nervous system, I'm safe to show up as a leader means that you are going to lead in your relationship with yourself and in your relationship with others. And that means sitting with the discomfort of things not being okay with someone, sitting with the discomfort of being triggered, sitting with the discomfort of being the one triggering, sitting with the discomfort of what's coming up for you. And then as you're being with the emotions of that, you can then decide how do I want to relate to this? Not from an activated triggered place, but from a place of connection to myself, connection to what I know to be true from a place of open-heartedness 
How many times do we communicate with one another as humans from a closed heart and just from our defenses? That is our inner child. When we can relate through an an open heart, through neutrality, where we're not making it mean anything about us, where we're not projecting our shit onto the other person, that's relating through your leadership. And depending on, you know, your different relationships in your life, And where each person is at, there might be some people that are more of the leader in the relationship than others, right? Like my mentor, she is the leader in our relationship. For me and my clients, I'm the leader in our relationship. For some of my friendships, I have it where we really both lead in our relationship. We both bring up the tough conversations. We both celebrate each other. We both, you know, talk from an open heart. And then in other relationships, it's more of, you know, me being the leader or the other person being the leader. It's, it goes back to how do we want to relate to ourselves? And then how are our external relationships outside of ourselves mirroring that? And so it just depends on the situations that come up and what each person is able to bring into that relationship. So there might be some situations where, you know, you get activated and your inner child is very active and the other person, you know, practices stepping into their leadership and holding space for you and helping role model for you so that it allows you to meet them halfway and then show up as a leader as well. Other times it might be where you initiate taking the lead and then the other person meets you, or sometimes the person doesn't meet you and that's okay too, but it doesn't have to mean anything about you if they're not able to meet you. So I want to encourage you today to really look at how are you relating to every part of your life, whether it's your relationships, your job, your career, your hobbies, your love life, your, you know, your food, your body, the way you invest your time, your energy, your money, are you leading money or is money leading you? Are you leading your you know, inner child is your inner child leading you. So how can you step into relating through your leadership, which means not making mean things about you. And if you are then sitting with that, being able to sit with pain and emotions rather than letting emotions drive the behavior, actually taking care of yourself, even when you don't want to, there are nights where I'm like, Oh, I don't want to brush my teeth. And then I'm like, okay, If I had a child right now, would I think it would be good parenting to help them brush their teeth? Yes. So if I'm going to do that for a child, why would I not do that for myself? And I'm not a child anymore. So I don't have my parent to be like, oh, you got to go brush your teeth. So I have to be the one to brush my teeth. Literally last night I got out of bed because I realized I didn't brush my teeth. And I was like, you're going to go fucking get out of bed and brush your fucking teeth. (laughs) I use fuck a lot because I get passionate about this because I'm like, I don't want to fucking brush my teeth, but then I do. And I'm so glad I did. Right. It's the same thing with like, I don't want to have to drink so much water. I don't want to have to, um, you know, look at my taxes and my finances. Like I don't want to adult today. Right. But like, we have to adult because when we don't, we're not honoring ourselves and it makes things worse. Speaking of, I just got really thirsty talking about water. (laughs) Uh, see, we got to hydrate. So looking at how we can be the leader in every single part of our lives, it is so, so important. And when we do, the universe responds. So because I have stepped more and more into my leadership this week, 
I have felt more connected to myself, to my mission, to my purpose, to my creation more than ever. And of course, that's the same week that many people got triggered by me, by my content, by what I'm sharing on social media. And it's okay. It's all okay because everyone is, you know, going to have their experiences and it's how you relate to it. Because as a leader, not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to understand you, right? I have big, big dreams and plans for this world, for this life. And my mission is to really help every single human be able to create the life they want and feel how they want to feel and not let their attachment wounding, their trauma, their dysregulation run the show. I don't want people to think that life is just about coping or functioning. It's about fully being alive and fully living, whatever that looks and means to you. And so if I have big dreams of being this leader in this world, that means I'm going to have to learn how to sit with the discomfort of people being triggered by my work, by me, by my content, by the messaging that I'm sharing and being able to look at it from a place of, okay, I don't have to make this mean anything about me and get small. I can relate to this through a place of curiosity, from compassion, from um, learning. Everything in life is learning. All experience is learning. And if we're not using it for learning, it's kind of just a wasted opportunity. So how can you show yourself that you're safe by showing little you that, that they are safe to really step into being the leader of your life, to not letting yourself being a victim of life, right? We can sleep through life and say, oh, I wish my finances were different. My relationships were different. My health was different. All the things were different. Or we can say, okay, what's actually in our power? Because we are so fucking powerful. What's actually in our power? How can we change these things? I mean, I'm working on some very heavy healing, not just with my you know, attachment wounding, but my medical trauma, like my body is still healing from illness that I went through, you know, 20 plus years ago, but it really did a number on my immunity on my, you know, different parts of my body. And because of my addictions that followed after that with food and with TV and with, you know, sugar and with all these things that just made it worse. And, you know, my chronic illness, like me healing my medical trauma now means that it's, there's just a lot to, there's a lot of honoring me and taking care of me that I need to do for my body to fully be where I want it to be. And so this requires me to show up and be the leader of my body, to give myself water, to, you know, invest in things like acupuncture and, um, you know, physical therapy and personal training and these things that are giving my body what it needs to fully feel the way I want it to feel. And so we're constantly just meeting ourselves where we're at. And it's being so gentle with ourselves that we are all different. We're all in different points of our journey. And all we can do is come back home to us, not look at what everyone else is doing and where everyone else is because comparison is just a protector. It's just a protector. Sorry, I just burped. <laughs> if you guys haven't, you know, uh, 
if you haven't seen already, this podcast is fully, fully unfiltered because that is the Rachel Kelly style. I do not like filtering anything. I like being the real raw human I am who burps on her podcast episode. So I hope that inspires you to lean into being your (laughs) authentic self, whether you're showing up on a podcast or social media or just in life and looking at the ways in which you need to honor you being the leader in your life. No one is going to do it for you. It's not easy. It's painful, but it is so necessary. Another thing that I will leave us off with today in terms of leadership is that we can allow space for all things to coexist. Leadership means that you are able to be with all the variety of emotions that come up in the present moment because healing trauma means you're feeling safe to be in the present moment, not just safe, but safe to just be with all things. And when we're safe to be with all things, we're able to then actually create our lives So today I sat with some heavy grief around the fact that my grandpa is not doing very well. And also that, you know, some stuff personally has come up that I'm working through and then I'm also celebrating a lot of things. So being able to be with pain and joy and fear all at the same time, it can feel like a lot, but the more you practice doing it, you show your body that all things can coexist. So I will leave that with you for now. And I would love for you guys to really reflect on where are you letting little you run your life? What areas and where are you really showing up to step into your leadership? Leadership was not really something I'd ever thought about in this way. I always thought about leaders being like, you know, the president or more like obvious leadership positions. But when I started doing this work and my mentor started talking about just being the leader in your own life, I'm like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. It just means like you're being an adult, but not just an adult where you're functioning to function and get by day to day. But like, how are you being a leader where you get to like communicate and show the universe how you want it to show up for you? And how are you leading in your relationships? I did a reel this week that people seem to love all about leaning back with anxious attachment and avoidant partners and how the anxious attachment, uh, the anxiously attached person leans back in order to give the avoidant partner space to lean in. And that in and of itself in your relationships, that's an example of you being a leader of how can I sit with this and lean back? And that's something that I have to do on a daily basis with my relationships, with my business. I have to practice the art of leaning back. Whereas, you know, my friend who's more avoidant, she has to practice the art of leaning in. So we all have our work to do in terms of really developing our leadership skills. So where in your life can you step further into being a leader? What is blocking you from doing so? What support do you need in doing so? And what would your life look and feel like if you felt fully safe to be the leader in your life? And if you are needing support with this, because we need the safety in order to feel safe to lead and to choose authenticity over attachment, to not get small, to not make things mean stuff about us, to not project, to not live and relate through our trauma responses, that is where this deep nervous system healing work comes in so that we can fully rewire and relate through our leadership. If you are needing support, I am currently enrolling for 
my two main groups. I have my group come home to yourself, which is a group for anxiously attached women. And then I have my group with my co-leader, Anna for real men heal. We are enrolling for the third round and I will just read off a quick message that I just got from one of the men in the current round. He said, this work and this journey literally has completely shifted my life. On a day-to-day basis, I constantly feel so much lighter instead of feeling like a cloud is looming over me. I feel connected and grounded, and I can't thank you enough. Testimonials like that make my heart sore because it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like, okay, guys, I'm talking every day, all day about how much this work has changed my life and how I'm literally a different version of myself than I was before doing this work. And now I get to help other people do this work where it helps them change their lives. I mean, it's just incredible. So if you are a human who identifies as a male and you want to, you know, relearn, uncondition all of these bullshit narratives that society has taught you about what being a real man is. That's why we named the group Real Men Heals kind of a plain word of like this bullshit stereotype of, oh, you have to do this to be a real man rather than you're just a human and you're innately worthy regardless. So that's why we kind of took the power back with the phrase and called it Real Men Heal so that we can really work to uncondition your nervous system and believing that you have to be a certain way and help you feel safe to be you. This is what this work does. It's all about helping you feel safe to be you. That's it in a nutshell, but we can't do that if we have trauma and defenses and protectors. So I'm enrolling for both of those groups right now. I also have my um, retreat this April. And then I have some one-on-one spots opening as well. So if you are looking for doing this work, stepping into being the leader of your life and wanting to feel like the youiest you there is, please shoot me an email, find me on Instagram. That's where I went. That's where I am. Most of the time is on the gram. I try getting into TikTok maybe one day, but I got to just focus on one platform at a time because, you know, it's just, it's the wild west out here in the social medias. So, uh, we're just sticking with one, one at a time, but let me know. My DMS are always open. I love this work with all my heart. I love doing this work. It has completely changed my life. It has completely changed the lives of my clients and it is the gift that keeps on giving. Cause when you heal your nervous system, you get permission to do the, or you give others the permission to the, to do the same for them. Wow. English is hard. And when you heal your nervous system, you relate differently to others, which allows them to again, meet you or respond differently too. So it is a healing domino effect and I am here for it. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to the pod, to screenshot, tag me on Instagram, come say hello, share it with someone you think might benefit. The more that this gets out in the world, the more people can heal and expand and transform and create a life beyond their wildest dreams. So thank you for tuning in. I will see you for the next episode. Bye.